Thank you for listening to a River Life Fellowship podcast. We're a church family in North Carolina with a vision for people to experience the grace of Jesus, be filled with the Father's love, and to release the power of the Holy Spirit. Here's this week's message from Mooresville. You know, I talked to you a little bit last week about mental health and how God has a heart for us to be a healthy body, soul, and spirit. Um, and, you know, I talked a little bit about the mind part, and uh, one of the things we all encounter in our life is uh, we have emotions, and uh, that's really, our emotions have to be healed. Uh, a lot of times we don't feel the Lord, right? You may love the Lord, you may care about the Lord, but sometimes you don't feel the Lord. You don't feel close to the Lord, even though the Bible tells us we are close to Him. And, and a lot of that has to do with your emotions, okay? And so that's a big part of what God wants to do for people is because God wants us to feel Him just like we feel love for our children, our grandchildren, our spouses. Hopefully you feel love for your spouse. <laughs> All that's so, so important. And it's important to feel God's love. And it's important for, you know, for us. And I think it's important for the Lord. And so the Lord wants to heal minds and emotions, okay? And, um, and Dr. Steve can, and Dr. Sammy, either one can correct me if I say something wrong because I'm not a doctor and I'm not a psychologist or a psychiatrist. But I do believe that the Bible has a lot of clarity about our, our minds and about our emotions, about our feelings. And we have, at times, have not handled people who are suffering with emotional or mental health issues very well, okay? There's just been times in the church, I think, that we've, we've not been uh, empathetic, we not, have not been compassionate um, because we don't really understand it. Uh, my first encounter with somebody who had mental health issues, I was probably four or five years old, and uh, back when I was a kid, they used to, outside of stores, they would have these little horses that you could put coins in, and children can, remember those? And children can get up and ride on it. It's sort of rock back and forth. And I'll never forget one particular day, we, I was with my dad, and there was a, 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 a young man, I don't know how old he was. He, was, he was probably in his late teens or possibly early 20s. I was, like I say, I was four or five years old, but I was so impacted because he probably had the emotions and the, the intellect of a, probably of a five-year-old child. And he was up on this, this hobby horse riding it and, you know, doing like a kid does. Yeah, you know, get him, you know, ride him cowboy. Uh, and his mom, it's what really struck me was his mom. I'll never forget it to this day. I can even tell you what kind of dress she had on. She had a green dress on. She had a pocketbook, a little black pocketbook, and she was holding it like this. But the horror on her face was incredible. The embarrassment that, or, that she felt, or, or I don't know what it was that she felt, but, you know, because she had a mentally ill child and out in, before the whole world, and she was allowed him to, to ride this horse, but the pain that she was feeling, the hurt that she was feeling... Uh, it seriously impacted me as a, as a little boy. I, like I say, it was the first time I ever seen anybody like that, but I was more impacted by her. And the reason is, is because most people who have uh, 
people in their family or, or themselves, there's just a stigma attached to mental health issues. And it's, it's really wrong. It's something that, that has to not be there. Um, Becky and I both uh, had people in our families that had um, severe mental health. Well, my mom had a nervous breakdown, that's what they told me. I can remember my mom as a little boy having just these breakdowns where she would weep uncontrollably. And as we didn't know what was wrong with her. And, you know, it was always, get the green medicine. That's what... This medicine probably has some kind of sedative, really, because she would take this medicine and go lay down and then get up a couple hours later and be fine. Um, other than that, my mom was very normal. I found out later that, the, that they wanted to commit my mama to a mental institution, uh, but my dad wouldn't let them. Thankfully, he didn't, um, because I don't really know how, but somewhere along the line, she was healed of that. Uh, probably by the time I was 10 or 11 years old, she was pretty normal. All the time, other than she could be mean because I was mean, and you know, <laughs> she would whip me, and I didn't think that was normal. But it was really traumatic for a little boy to watch her mama like that. And there was times that she would leave, like she would run away. Uh, and I can just remember being under my bed crying about my mom being gone, just afraid. And those things have impacts on families, and we don't realize that we're impacted. Becky's brother, she had a brother that was just a, really one of the sweetest, fun-loving, soft-hearted man you'd ever know, but he, he was schizophrenic. And he would, he would go off the deep end, hearing things, seeing things, and nothing you could say to help, could help him. Uh, and eventually, because of he was schizophrenic, he died. That's really what it took. It destroyed his life. It destroyed everything about his life. And... You know, um, I wanted to read you some statistics. Are y'all okay? I better hurry up here. This is mental health statistics in America. One out of every four Americans suffers from a diagnosable mental illness every year. One out of four. Uh, 1.4 million people attempt suicides every year. 1.4 1.4 million people try to kill themselves. Uh, 48,000 people die by suicide in our country every year. Um, suicide is the 10th leading cause of death in the United States and the second leading cause for those ages 14 to 24. Did y'all hear that? 14 to 24 year olds, the second leading cause of death is suicide. Uh, this year alone at North Carolina State University in the uh, spring semester, that's January through first part of May, five students killed themselves at North Carolina State University. That really bothers me. I'll be honest, when I read that, that really bothered me. And so I think the church needs to be bothered about this kind of thing. Uh, we really believe in healing uh, in this church. Uh, both the you know the physical and we also need to be people who really believe in seeing people uh, healed of mental health problems. Um, I've had enough experience, like I shared last week. You know, we, we've had some people come in that wanted to kill themselves, and we, we saw them you know freed by the power of God. Uh, but how many people didn't 
get healed? How many people walked out the door broken still? Um, let me read. Let me read this verse to you. It's the Bible has some people that had breakdowns in it. One of them was one of our one of our spiritual heroes is Elijah. Elijah had a mental health crisis. You know, Elijah called. You know, if you know the story on Mount Carmel, Elijah called fire down from heaven. Okay. And wound up having this great victory for God. But the queen, Queen Jezebel, threat was wanting to kill him over it. Because not only did he called fire down, Elijah killed a bunch of prophets of Baal. Absolutely wiped them off. Uh, you know, uh, this is off the subject just a little bit. But this is really the truth. The church needs the spirit of Elijah. John the Baptist carried the spirit of Elijah. Uh, the Bible says in Malachi, it's the, it's the anointing that will turn the, fa- the hearts of the fathers to the children and the children to the father. That's something the Lord's releasing. But we need also, there is something of high level principalities and powers at work in our nation that cannot be cured cannot be fixed any other way but this anointing like Elijah had to bring that thing down. It is not something that we had to, we, we to walk into. We need the mind of the Lord. We need the wisdom of the Lord. We need the anointing and authority of the Lord to deal with what's going on in our country. Now, that's really the truth. And we need to be asking the Lord for that understanding the times uh, the sons of Iskar had the understandings of times so they would know what to do. We, we need that right now in our country. We need to know what to do. We need to have an understanding of what's happening, not just naturally. We see a lot of things, and what we're seeing, I'm way off the subject, but what we're seeing with all this stuff going on is nothing but fruits of something coming out of hell. Okay, and that's the only way to stop it is shut that door of hell. That's really, really the way we're going to put an end to these things. Okay, and so I think it's imperative. I am very troubled right now in my prayers about this country. I'm very troubled, and my prayer is always going to what, Lord, shall we do? What can we do daily? What can we, how can we pray? Because I want to see this thing broken. Anyways, well, here's what happened to Elijah. He, he found out that Jezebel wanted to kill him after he had, after he had done such powerful things. He's a powerful man, Elijah was. He was a, one of the most powerful men in the Bible. And it says he took off, he left. He, he, he ran away. Okay, and this is what it says in verse 4 of 1 Kings 19, verse 4. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree and he prayed that he might die. There's a guy in a mental health crisis right there. He prayed that he might, he wanted to die. He may have thought that he wanted to kill himself. Okay? This is Elijah. Okay? And he said, it's enough. Now, Lord, take my life, for I'm no better than my father's. Isn't that interesting that somebody that powerful would would be in that kind of despair? Um, Once, um, uh, years ago... I was uh, in, a, in a pastor's prayer meeting, 
and uh, this very uh, controversial subject came up in the meeting. And, um, well, I decided I was going to push back on what was being said in the, in the meeting because I was really in ha having some really difficulty with what some of the pastors were, were saying. And, you know, that w we call it being counseled today. You know, I got really counseled in that meeting badly. Uh, and I remember Lee, I left the meeting and I had this self-talk going, okay? And the self-talk was, you're a fool. That's what I said. And you're a fool. I'm never going to say how I really feel again. I made this vow. I'll never come into these meetings and say a word again. And what I didn't realize, there was something spiritual going on there. Okay, there was witchcraft going on there. I mean, pretty serious witchcraft. And by, by what I said, see, your words have power. I don't care what anybody says. Your words have power. And what I did is I opened a door on me that day. I opened a door and darkness came on me. A darkness like I had never experienced in my entire life. I felt, I felt like I was in a pit. A dark pit. A dirty pit. And I could not get myself out of it. And I had never in my life ever experienced depression like that. I've been bummed many times. You know, there's a difference between situational sadness and depression that was borders on mental illness. Are you hearing what I'm saying? There's a big difference between those two. We can be sad about many things, and we all have sadness. Sadness is normal. Sadness is a part of our emotions. But depression like I was experiencing was not normal. In fact, if I would have gone to a doctor that day, they would have probably committed me that day. Because here's the thoughts that came into my mind. This is a thought. I understand why people kill themselves now. It, it was that dark for me. And it lasted pretty much all that whole day. But finally, by the grace of God, I just cried out to the Lord. I'm, I want to read that scripture to you because it's so beautiful. It's Psalm 40. Are you okay? Yeah. Psalm 40, verse 1 through 3. I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined to me and heard my cry. He also brought me up out of a horrible pit. A horrible pit. And see, that's a horrible pit. Another version calls it a desolate pit. Many people who were suffering from, from mental illness, mental issues, that's how they describe what they're feeling. They describe that as they're in a pit. They're in a desolate place. That they, they don't have the strength within themselves. Their brains can't get them out. Their brains can't think them way out. That, that's what they feel. And that's the way I was. I could not literally get myself out of where I was at. I didn't understand why I was there. I didn't know. It was only by the grace of God that he started getting me out and started telling me what I did. To get me to what I what happened to me, that that I got myself into that mess. Uh, he got me out of, out of the miry clay and set my feet upon a rock and established my steps. He has put a new song in my mouth. Praise to our God. Many will see it in fear and will trust the Lord. Amen. Isn't that beautiful? So so. This is what David was saying. David wrote this, by the way. And if you read a lot of David's Psalms. David suffered emotionally a lot. King David, he had emotional issues. He was a very creative person. 
And many creative people are very emotional and they're, they're afflicted because they're very creative and very emotional. They're afflicted with, with different feelings and more intense feelings than, you know, people who are not as creative. Y'all looking at me saying, mm. Well, it says here uh, five things. So this is, what, this is what we need to do. Five advantages of being patient. Uh-oh. Y'all want to be patient? Five advantages of being patient, listen to me, and letting the Lord work in your life. Instead of taking your life in your hands and making decisions because you're anxious and you want something or you believe something even. See, that's what David didn't do. He said, I waited patiently for the Lord. So I'm telling you, you, need, you and I need to learn how to wait patiently for the Lord. Nobody wants to wait patiently. Okay? But here's what happened to David. Number one, God came near to him. God's presence was manifested in his life. Number two, God lifted him out of his despair. God took him out of where he was at. Number three, God placed him on solid ground. In other words, God established him as a person, established him in this life. That's what God wants to do for all of us. He wants to establish us. But God has to do that for us. We can't, we can't establish ourselves. Number four, God supported him as he walked. That means God put his favor on him. And the things that David was doing in life, some of the, walk, the walk of life, God blessed and wouldn't you love that? And the, finally, the last thing is he, God, God gave him a new song. In other words, he healed his heart. He healed whatever was, was wrong with him. Are y'all good with that? Yeah. See, that's for everybody in this room. That's for all the people in this room that are in good shape emotionally and mentally. But it's also for the thing that stuck out to me was there are literally people that say, I'm in a horrible pit. Uh, can I give you a quick definition of what mental illness is. Mental illness is when a person's mind is thinking and experiencing things that are not reality. But the person experiencing it thinks it is. And that's what we, like with, with Becky's brother, we could say, Morel, none of that's true. But for him, it was 100% true. And our words never were able to help him. That's pretty intense, isn't it? The inability to think and feel clearly is what mental illness does to people. The inability, y'all, listen, the inability to think and feel clearly. That's an illness. That's not they're, they're, they're bad people. They're messed up people. Are you, I'm not going to say that. Let me tell you, I'm going to go back to this, and I'm going to finish I mean, I'm doing a bad job on this. I'm sorry. I'm jumping all... I got notes everywhere. I'm jumping all over the place. There's nothing like... Let me go back to Elijah and tell you some things. I want to say this. Here are some things that God did not say to Elijah when he found him messed up. This is what God didn't say. And what we need to do is we need to learn from what God didn't do. Number one... This is something God did not say. Elijah, you're just going through a rough time. Just pray, give it to me, and give it some time. But it doesn't that sound like we would say to somebody? 
I had a person with bipolar tell me that one time. That's not going to work for me, Byron. You know what that did to me? That crushed me when that person said that to me. Here's another thing that God didn't say. Oh, Elijah, you're just in the middle of a spiritual battle. Just renounce and resist the devil and he will flee from you. Now listen, y'all. All of this could be 100% true and applicable, right? But we're dealing with something that we don't understand. Oh, here's another thing. Oh, Elijah, you're just depressed. Just pray it out. You're going to be okay. He didn't say that to him. Here's another one. Elijah, you can be healed if you have enough faith. That has destroyed the image of the church, that one thing. And there's truth in it, y'all. Obviously, there's really biblical truth. But that is not how God goes at someone who's broken. Whether it's mental brokenness or physical brokenness. We've had to call people out in this church for judging and criticizing people for not having faith to get healed. We've had to tell them, don't do that to them. They got cancer and you're telling them they don't have faith. We can have faith for them. Here's another one that's terrible that's been done to people. Elijah, just choose to be happy and not sad. Elijah couldn't choose to be happy. His emotions were so busted, he he didn't have it in him to choose anything. Except he was choosing death. And another one is, Oh, Elijah, what sins have you committed to cause this terrible thing to happen in your life? How many times have we done that to people? I've told this story over and over. I had a friend call me one day. He's in a big mess in his life. A big mess. And said, Can I come talk to you? And I'll never forget this. I was, it, was a, it was a Friday evening, and I just happened to be at home by myself. And I remember sitting in my house with all the lights off as the sun was going down, down and I was asking the Lord what to, to say to him. And this is exactly what the Holy Spirit says. Don't be Job's friends. Don't go asking that man what he did to cause this. You go and you just sit there and listen. You listen and let me work. And I saw the Lord do a miracle in front of my eyes. In two weeks, that guy's life was completely turned around. But if I would have opened my big mouth and went after him for all the bad stuff he may have or may not have done, it would have broken him worse. So, but the Lord did speak to Elijah. Here's what he did say to him. He did, this is what the Lord did for Elijah. You can read the story. It's in 1 Kings 19. I love it. This is what God did. He sent some angels and fed the man, took care of his physical needs, Told him to rest. Okay? And then he uh, told him where to go. And he wound up in the mountain of the Lord. And the Lord spoke to him. And just said, what are you doing here, Elijah? And Elijah explained himself. God listened. Okay? Listen to him. Just listen. And then you know what the Lord did? This is what God did for him. Elijah, this is what I want you to do. I've got a purpose for you. I've got a vision for your life. You, it's not, your life is not over. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? That's, that was God's mental health for Elijah that brought him out of that place. Is he didn't judge him. He didn't criticize him. He didn't give him some charismatic or Pentecostal or evangelical or, or whatever you know, we do to people, some quick answer. God gave him a plan. God gave him a purpose. And this is, this is, I'm going to end on this. 
I, I listened to a testimony of a, of, a, of a lady. She was a pastor's wife, okay? And she, taught, she was a great pastor's wife, okay? And she was a great mom. She was like an overachiever, she said. You know, and she was doing all the things, but she had a mental breakdown. And she wound up in bed and could not function. Could not function in the church, could not really be a wife, could not even be a mom to her children. She was so broken. And so, and she was, she is part of one of the best churches in America in terms of the charismatic world, the spirit-filled world, the, like the flagship church. Y'all can guess which one it is. Okay? The fla- I would call them the flagship church, the apostolic church that God has used so much in the past years. And some amazing leaders came out of this church. She was in that church and said, all, and she said, all I wanted was a miracle. I just needed God to do a miracle. And she said God did some things for her. But at the end of the day, this is what the Lord told her is I want to help you, but you need a plan. Because whatever caused you to get in this place, if you don't, if that doesn't get addressed, you're going to wind up right back here no matter how many miracles you get. And see, a lot of times we want God to do some miraculous thing, and we should because God is a God of miracles, right? And God can touch us on a level that fixes everything, but many times He doesn't, okay? Let me just put it to you like this. We need a plan for every area of our life. If you're suffering with some kind of ailment, well, here's one. I'll give you a really brilliant one. There's this guy I know who is a little bit older now and works out really hard and had hurt his shoulder really bad. Okay? Got prayer and the Lord touched his shoulder. Really touched it powerfully. Well, guess what he did? Went right back and did the same thing that hurt it again. His shoulders hurt again. I heard Andrew Womack say this. Y'all know who Andrew Womack is. He's like the faith and grace guy of ever, forever. He said miracles are not God's highest. He says when you need a miracle, that's because you're in big trouble. You shouldn't even be there. You need a plan. Well, this is what this woman, the Lord showed her is, pray for your miracle, but you need to do something to take care of your mental health. You need a plan for your mental Everybody in this room, we need a plan for our mental health. We need to pay attention when things are not working in us. Are you hearing what I'm telling you? Don't think you couldn't get hit by something suddenly. I've watched people run, 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 and all of a sudden they hit the cliff and go over and it's because they didn't deal with what was behind them. They didn't deal with their grief properly. They didn't gear, gear, deal with their trauma that everybody has. All these things. And these things are like water behind a, a dam. Sooner or later, they're going to they're gonna come over the dam. And there's going to be a broken. And I, th- I think I shared with you. I think I had that happen to me recently, a few weeks ago. Where I had this like feel like where I would just felt just bright. I could, all of a sudden, I was emotionally whipped. I had nothing in me. Y'all got an awful quiet on me. I, thank God I have a good counselor. You know? So here's can be part of your plan. I think always prayer. Always prayer is part of the plan. And always faith. The belief that God can get you out of it. Okay, that's part of it. But also going to see a therapist. <laughs> don't, don't be ashamed. If you had to go, you're doing a plan in the meantime. 
Go see your doctor. Maybe your doctor says, I might need to give you some medication to help you. Just like a diabetic takes medication to help them survive in the moment until the miracle comes. But when the miracle comes, diabetic, don't go and eat a bunch of cake. You know, because if you start eating cake again, guess what's going to happen? Your diabetes may come back on you and your healing may be gone. And then you're going to be upset with God about it. And so the same thing with our mental illness. For me, what I learned that day when I went in the pit is, number one, I'm going to pay attention to the spiritual environment around me. I'm going to be very careful when I open my mouth and when I keep it closed. Okay, number two is I am not going to do self-talk about me. I'm going to quit calling me stupid. I'm going to quit making inner vows. See, all of that opened me up to something bad. So my plan, that's my plan for my mental health. I'm not doing that stuff. Okay? I get in situations with people sometimes that don't feel right to me. You know what I do? I just keep my mouth shut. I do minimal talking because if they don't feel right, there's something spiritual going on here that I don't understand. I am not stepping into something. I've had to grab people and drag them out of things. People that I was with, we were in a situation like, mm, this is not good, this is not good. And they just, just barrel into it like, oh, well, you're not paying attention. <laughs> Can't you see this person's become, about to become violent? Back off. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That's, that's my little plan. I didn't need to go to a doctor to get medication. But you might because you might be fighting a greater battle than I fought. My brother-in-law, Mamrell, was fighting a nuclear war inside of him with, with what was going on with him. I'm not, I will, I'm not fighting a nuclear war. You may be full of anxiety today. That's serious. Okay? Or you may be full of fear. fear. I think fear, anxiety, and depression are the three main mental health issues in America. That are, Some are worse than others. You know? Yeah. Some are worse than others. Some are just little little skirmishes, but some are really like nuclear war going on inside of a person. Now, y'all hearing what I'm saying to you? So, I guess, you know, I don't, I'm going to end because it's time, but I just feel, you know, that I want us to be, first I want us to be more like the Lord in terms of dealing with people. Right? Like the way the Lord dealt with Elijah. Look for the gold in people. Don't look for what's wrong with them. Look for the gold in them. If you can see the gold in them, you start speaking to the gold. You can be talking to somebody who's ate up with anxiety, but there's gold in that person. Uh, let me just tell you this one more thing. I just really want to tell you this. There was a guy in the Bible, okay, that was so insane that he, could, he lived in a graveyard naked and screamed and cut himself. Cut himself constantly. Guess what, guess what happened? Jesus healed that guy. Okay? But you know what? That guy wanted to go with Jesus. You know what? Jesus said, no. No, no, no. You're not going. You need to go home, friend. Because your community needs healing. And part of you, part of your plan for staying well is to get back with those people that your friends, your community, and there can be some love that happens. And out of that, see, that's what Jesus was trying to tell us. Mental health is a community thing. We all have a responsibility to make each other whole. And he wouldn't say, he wouldn't let him go. No, go back there. 
It's the truth. And you can ask any mental health professional. Can I read this one? I got to stop because it's late. But I want to read this one quote. This came from a mental health professional. If I can find it. Oh, this is what this guy said. There, and he's a, he was a believer, so he's getting it. There is a serious gap between someone receiving medical treatment for a mental illness and learning how to live well despite it. The gap is critical, and the church has what they need. The church, and that what we have is faith, hope, and love. That's what we have. We have faith. For a person who don't have faith, we can say, but we have faith for you. And we're willing to walk through this with you. We're willing to walk through your darkness with you because that's what Jesus does. And it's not easy. This is not easy. Believe me. I've been around enough. I had a woman come one time with her husband. She was, she was gorgeous, beautiful, but she was schizophrenic. She heard things, believed things about people. It was, it was crazy. And she was desperate. But what she wanted, I couldn't give her. And I told her, listen, you need to go see a doctor. Because you're so far out there. Because she walks in one day. She said, hey, this demon told me this before I came in. He's going to leave. Because you have authority to make, make him leave. But as soon as he leaves, he's going to come back. I said, oh, that's a lie. He's, th- that was not a demon. Your brain. Your brain. That's, it was your brain. Your brain is, has a problem. And until we can get that brain healed, you're going to continue having that problem. And it's not necessarily a spiritual problem. It's an organic problem. It's a chemical problem. Are you all with me on this? And listen, I do believe in deliverance. I, you know, that's that guy that with all those demons, he had a legion of demons, okay? And, and because of that, he had severe mental problems. Demons cause mental problems. But I don't think every person who has mental issues has demons. Okay? Some do, some don't. But let me just say this. All problems come from demons. I will say that because of the world. I got to stop, y'all. Yeah, I'm really going to stop. I'm going to stop. I'm going to pray and ask the Lord to do what he can do. And I'm going to tell you if, you, if you're suffering from any kind of mental issues or emotional issues, don't be ashamed. Church needs to be a safe place where people can really be honest. Wounds don't get healed. By hiding them. I want to say that to you. If you're a person suffering with some stuff and you're hiding it, it's not going to get healed by hiding it. That's not the way it works. You know, it doesn't work that way. You know, Jesus often would ask a person what was wrong with them. What did they need? He wanted them to say it so he could go to work. You know, so, if it, you know, the first thing you need to do if you're suffering in that way is you need to get with Jesus and begin to talk to him about not the fruits of it, but what's really going on in there. If you feel unstable, if you feel anxious, if you feel sad all the time, if you feel like you're in a horrible pit, get him into that pit with you. That's the first thing you do. And see where it goes from there. And it maybe you need to reach out to someone. And at some point, you may need to go and see somebody, a therapist, or see a medical doctor. 
you know, to get help. I really encourage you, don't, don't let, because your mental health is really important with Jesus. He wants you to be 100% whole. So I'm going to pray for you. And I'm going to believe this for this church. You know, it's that word that Bob Jones gave me years ago. God is going to use you to heal minds and heal, heal visions. And you know what he said about this church? Bob Jones gave, gave me this word for this church. He says, this church has the anointing for healing hospitality. That's what he told me. He told me that back in 2013, a year or so before he died. Healing hospitality. You ever think about the word hospital? Hospital hospitality. You see, God, they were hitting on it this morning. God wants to bring you in, make you belong. And that's a big part of the healing. Thank you for listening to a River Life Fellowship podcast. To get more information, check out riverlifefellowship.com.